Welcome to Music for the Quarantine Soul. This is still season two. We're not sure when season two is going to end. We have no <laughs> idea. Uh, and this is episode 17. Uh, and as always, we want to thanks, uh, thank uh, our sponsor, Grow Media, for, thanking, uh, for letting us uh, jump on their Zoom account here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks very much to them and look them up for all your uh, audio visual needs here uh, in the parkland or really wherever you are uh, kind of thing. So uh, we'll, we keep thanking Grow Media. So they've been very nice to us. We uh, should my post friend, a link. I should post a link. You're right. Thank you, Clifton. Clifton is here today. Hello. He is at the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not jumping. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I debated, I didn't debate jumping. I debated driving across it and I elected not to. So that's, uh, that's I've been watching too much mountain biking uh, videos. Oh. There's, there's quite the trails in and around the bridge. And uh, well, I'm sure yeah. there is. Yeah. Yeah. We have our own right here. So we should get Northgate on as a sponsor too. No. Anyways, we have a local musician and music fan, Bane Balkan is joining us uh, from his office today. Because uh, he's a workaholic, I think. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, he's probably like <laughs> <laughs> he likes the peace and quiet there. I don't blame him yeah. at all. So welcome, Bain. Thanks for sharing your list with us. Okay. Us. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, uh, I guess we should maybe start with uh, Jeff Lynn's ELO live at Wembley. Sure. Okay. Uh, that's that's the one I want to start with. And uh, good. I, uh, the reason I, I picked that one is because I saw this concert tour in Toronto in 2018. Oh, that would have been exciting. Where, was that at the, uh, is it Rogers Center now? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. I, I think they changed the name. I'm not yeah. sure. Guys our age just called Skydome, right? But yeah, it was always a dream of mine to see ELO in concert, basically since grade 10 in 1977. Okay. Mm-hmm. I discovered them in drafting class. Oh, Daryl Buckle brought and, and played in, in the album, the double album, Out of the Blue. Right. And uh, starting with the song Turn to Stone. Okay. And I, I was just, I love that album. And uh, the album cover with the flying saucer appealed to my inner geek. <laughs> you know, it was the year the Star Wars came out and yeah. Battlestar Galactica, Galactica was on TV. And I had a history of Star Trek and Lost in Space and everything. So uh, I, I bought the album out of the blue on cassette and, and album. And I remember, you know, cruising around in my, my old Thunderbird. Oh, yeah. Busting it on stereo. Um, John Lennon uh, mentioned that ELO sounded like the sound of the Beatles. They do have a certain, yeah. As if they had carried on with, with what the Beatles had been done with the walrus. Okay. And you know, with, with chugging cellos and, and everything. No, interesting enough, I, I called up, because I'm not familiar with that album, I called up the albums here, and that's that spaceship, spaceship kind of shows up on uh, multiple albums covers. Is that true? Yeah, it's kind of their logo. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a juke, jukebox spaceship. I was kind of in band and orchestra at the time, and I like the classical sound they had with two cellos and a violin and a rock band. <laughs> it's a very unique sound, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I also had a history of, you know, liking Western movies. You know, I like the uh, singing cowboys, you know, Gene, 
Gene Autry and Roy Rogers on CBC, you know, when I was just a little kid. Yeah. And then I eventually graduated with John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. And uh, so the songs uh, on that album, like Wild West Hero really appealed to me and Showdown, you know, it was a cool album, you know, kind of with a, you know, Western theme, you know, right. it wasn't country music or anything, but, it, but the album's kind of like a greatest hits collection. I was just going to say, so what you know, do you got here? Yeah, you, they had like all kinds of charting hits back in the 70s. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, like Mr. Blue Sky and uh, Telephone Line, Evil Woman, Living Thing, Sweet Talking Woman, yeah. Don't Bring Me Down. You know, all those songs are on the album. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a great little album that uh, covers all that stuff. I ended up collecting all of ELO's albums until 1986 when they when Jeff Lynn just disbanded them right and then he concentrated on his production work you know he produced George, George Harrison's uh, comeback album Cloud Nine I don't know if yeah, you guys yeah. have seen that one but it's it's, it's a very brilliant album and uh, and then Jeff Lynn went on to produce uh and co-wrote with Tom Petty, uh, Full Moon Fever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then they had the hit uh, Free Fallen. During the making of Cloud Nine, Harrison suggested they form a little band. And George mentioned, oh, let's get Bob Dylan. Yeah. And Lynn suggested his teenage hero, Roy Orbison. Yeah. So, uh, Tom Petty came on since he already knew Jeff and George and they formed the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah. And uh, so one of the songs, uh, Handle Me With Care, is on that, uh, on that concert album too. Oh, is it? Yeah. I listened to this. Okay, so I listened to this when you sent us the list. We've kind of been, we've been uh, having trouble making our schedules work. Uh, so I did listen to this a while back and I thoroughly enjoyed this. I, I was never a big ELO fan, but... Um, but kind of, you're right. It's a greatest hits kind of deal live. And I certainly enjoyed the live aspect of it. And, and you know what? I, I don't remember that one being on there, but uh, I'll have to check that out again. Jeff Lynn went to produce, like onto producing albums or artists like Roy Orbison and Paul McCartney, Joe Walsh, and uh, he did release release some solo albums, right? And uh, and then he did some new ELO albums, I think in two thousand and one, and twenty fifteen and twenty nineteen. But anyway, back in nineteen seventy eight, ELO were, they did a world tour of Out of the Blue. Okay. And they had a date in Minneapolis when I was like, you know, just a teenager. And, but I was too young and chicken to go. <laughs> I always regretted that. On a side note, though, in 1977, when I was 16, I did take my T-Bird and, and a girlfriend to my first concert to see Eagle, Eagles Hotel California. Tour. Oh, yeah. 
and Steve Miller Band's Fly Like an Eagle Tour. And was that in Winnipeg? Yeah, that was in a in the field at Assiniboia Downs, 40,000 people. I was going to say, I've heard about that concert. I thought it was at Assiniboia. Yeah, that was my first concert, so that was pretty amazing. Hmm. Cool. But anyway, uh, in 78, ELO recorded their uh, Out of the Blue live, live at Wembley. And now in 2017, they started a new tour and, uh, and performed, uh, you know, in, in Toronto, they were, they were coming to Toronto on, uh, August, 2018. And so I had to arrange to go and, uh, I took my three sisters there and a close cousin and, uh, my childhood best friend. And, uh, and we met there for the concert. Cool. And how were the seats? They were great. Like, you know, every seat was really good and the sound yeah. quality was amazing. Well, you would expect that from Jeff Lynn, right? He's sort of known for his sound. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the out of the blue, the like the initial live. That's right. Clifton was telling me that at work today that uh, the, mm -hmm. the original lineup. Go ahead. You tell the story. Clifton. I, I just read that, you know, they had this in the set design had this big steel ship. And oh, they had, a, they had a, a big UFO. That's it. UFO. Yep. And it was the sound. It would, was, open, up, uh, it would open up and the band would be inside the yellow. Yeah. In, in the shape, in the ship. Mm -hmm. And the story goes is that the reverb or whatever it was, wasn't um, coming back. The, the the sound wasn't coming back to the band like they had wanted it to, and they they couldn't get the sound they wanted to out of their monitors. And so they they'd seem like they were kind of like out of sync, and they did some editing. And when you watch the video, um, it kind of seems as if they're lip syncing. Oh, I'm just googling up the image here. It does. It looks like kind of like a clamshell that's kind of opened up. You're right, and there's the the band inside. So. Well, Jeff Lynn was never happy with the sound back then. And so now with the new technology, he was able to like produce an album that sounded really good. Mm -hmm. You know, picked up all the instruments and... Uh, right. So the concerts sound just fabulous when, when we were there. I'm interested in Bain, like because of the, just the nature of the songs with the strings and all that, like how many musicians were on stage when you saw them in Toronto? Well, there was two cellos and a violin for for those instruments, and then there was a bass player and yeah. drums. Uh, I think three background singers, piano, um, and then a really good guitarist. And then Jeff Lynn's a, a good guitarist too. So, right. uh, I think I read somewhere that uh, I think it was ELO that the sort of the the one of the limiting factors was that they couldn't get the the cello and the and the violin sounds loud enough to compete with the electric instruments back in the day but once they've sort of uh, electrified those instruments that uh, it really sort of allowed them to really flourish is yeah. this the right band that i'm thinking of or yeah okay All right. So, any anything else there? Great pick. I, I of your of your five picks, that's this was the one that I enjoyed the most. Uh, I, I really I really enjoyed it, and and like I said, I wasn't really an ELO fan, but and I know Clifton's brought a couple of ELO songs to to band practice to have us uh, try. So maybe we should uh, find a cello player, Clifton. Yeah. <laughs> 
help us out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring me down. <laughs> well played. Should we move on to the second album? Or? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, the second album would be uh, my choice would be uh, Chicago 2. Okay. And, uh, if you look back on it, like if you looked at my digital music library, you'd find that about half of it is jazz and popular music, you know, dating back probably to the 20s even. Oh, yeah. Like my dad was a great jazz trombone player, kind of inspired by the big band era in the late 40s. Right. And so growing up, my dad's record collection was mostly like jazz and big band band, band albums, uh, you know, from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, I was fooling around with music, and instead of rocking out on guitar, I was playing like air trumpet to like Tommy Dorsey and Jim Moore, <laughs> Glenn Miller band, you know. Okay. So, uh, over the years, I've collected, you know, many jazz artists, you know, like Duke Ellington or Count Basie, Dizzy Gillespie, you know, Django Reinhardt, just tons of them, right? So, yep. when I thought about a quarantine album, I said, oh, I better, you know, get something that has some jazz content. Right. Uh, but uh, Chicago, too, kind of merges jazz and has some really kick-ass guitar work. Um, I think I've listened to Chicago since the 70s because of the, the you know, the trombones and, and the, the uh, jazz instruments and, and the guitar work of Terry Kapp. Yes. Like... Uh, Jimmy Hendrix saw Chicago playing at Whiskey uh, Go-Go in Los Angeles in 1969. And I guess after the show, Jimmy came up to the sax player and said, uh, hey, Walt, the, the horns are like a, a set of lungs, and the guitar player is better than me. <laughs> so after that, uh, Hendrix invited uh, Kath and the rest of the band to join his tour. Oh yeah, so the Chicago toured with Jimi Hendrix back then. You know, interesting seventies uh, or whatever. Yeah, interesting uh, pairing, really. Like right? you wouldn't get the same crowd, you wouldn't think. But no. But uh, actually, I, I loved Chicago until Terry Kath. He, he accidentally shot himself. Right. Mm -hmm. So he died, and uh, I think it's seventy-eight or something. But, uh, but the whole band was very talented, like Peter Satura and uh, Robert Lamb. And they were all excellent vocalists and songwriters. Uh, Chicago 2 is a double album. Yep. Um, you know, so it's broken down into different parts. That really, uh, one part of the album is kind of like a seven song suite. Uh, like it's called ballet for a girl in Buchanan and, and two hits that came out of that uh, make me smile and color my world but uh, the really uh, the, the kick-ass rocker was 24 or six six to five six to four 25 or six to four yeah uh, that's you know one kick-ass guitar uh, song 
Did you guys listen to that at all? Or? Absolutely, yeah. That's that's probably one of my uh, one of my favorite Chicago songs. Uh, and I actually know that the band at the high school. I walked into the the jazz band one day. Uh, they were practicing and they were playing the song. And I stopped and I waited. And, and Mr. Schmidt, our jazz or music instructor, says, "Hey, Mr. Bent, you know the song?" I said, "Yeah, that's uh, Twenty Six or Five by Chicago." And he's like, "Oh, well, who's the lead singer?" I said, "Well, that's Peter Cetera, the bass player." And he's like, "Oh, how do you know all this?" And I'm like, "Well, I tend to know a lot of stuff like that, right?" So. The kids were all like, whoa. What about that title, though? Yeah. What's up it, with that? <laughs> I have no idea what that means. It, I know this. It's got to do with the time. It's, it's, and people kind of always mispronounce it, but it's 26 or 25 to 4. It's talking about like working in the morning or something rather, right? Is the, like it, it, it's talking about the time of day is what it's referring to. So it's either 25 or 26. Yes, it's 25 or 26 to 4. Like to in 4 a.m. That's what I believe, yes. I'm just Googling it up here. But uh, yes, the song is about trying to write a song in the middle of the night. About drugs. <laughs> no, I'm right. just joking. It does say, <laughs> Wikipedia says, because of the unique phrasing of the song's title, it has been interpreted to mean everything from a quantity of illicit drugs to the name of a famous person in code. But it's just about like, you know, 3.30 in the morning. Right. Well, a lot of guitar players have, you know, tried to emulate that guitar solo in there. And I've seen, you know, people do it quite well. It's, it's, it's a very famous guitar solo. Right. Now, have you ever seen Chicago in concert, Bain? Uh, I, I had tickets to see them in, in the 80s. Okay. But then Pizza Tiro uh, got throat cancer. Oh, okay. So they canceled the show. Oh. So. Uh, and by then, they'd kind of, I mean, they changed their sound a couple times, right? Like, I remember having, as a kid, I think I wanted it at a junior high dance or something. I remember I won the Chicago, I always forget the number. It's the one with the skyscraper that's like in the Chicago swirl kind of thing it was kind of like their, yeah. their disco album kind of thing i remember having that as a kid well their first probably five or ten albums probably are really great with right with, uh, terry kath but then later on uh, david foster took over producing yep. them and they turned it into like a, a kind of a ballad band with pete satira at the front and yeah the horns way at the back, and uh, then they had a bunch of hits with. Uh, I can't remember the songs. Uh, yeah, there was there was that one album there about 1984, 85 that had five or six hits off it. I think. Yeah. yeah. This particular album uh, got three Grammy Award nominations: Album of the Year, Contemporary Vocal Album, and Best Album Cover. Uh, and I don't think it won though. But Chicago themselves, the band received a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2020. So now, what do you know about the uh, the, the the band name uh, Bane? 
Well, their first album was, I think, uh, Chicago Transit Authority, right. which is a double album. And, uh, but then they had to change it because the actual Chicago Transit Authority didn't like it. <laughs> they were getting sued. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they kind of started a, I wouldn't say a trend, but they started a tradition or whatever. They just, their albums were just numbered, right? Chicago 2, yeah, Chicago one, three, two, three, 4, yeah. 5. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who knows what they're up to now, but they're still, they're still touring. And uh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I certainly enjoyed this one as well. Uh, I, actually, this one was a good one. I've mentioned in a few episodes. When I go to school, I kind of like to do some work on the weekends. I kind of like to put song, put albums on that are kind of uh, not real familiar to me, ones that I can kind of don't have to worry about the lyrics kind of thing. So this one got added to my list because I did enjoy it, kind of the, the jazz. And uh, well, there's a song called The Road. It's a very cool song with kind of progressive jazz and syncopation and things. Yeah. It's really good. And uh, there's a kind of a five song suite called uh, it better end soon and it's kind of a political statement of the times yeah yeah okay uh anything else there or are you ready to move on i guess we can go on to the the zombies album okay another live album uh, uh live at bloomsbury theater i believe yeah i think in 2007 when uh, spencer was nine months old we got tickets to Hippie Fest in Toronto. Okay. <laughs> and Hippie Fest lineup included the Turtles, the Rascals, the Zombies, uh, Mountain. I don't even know if you've heard of Mountain featuring right. Leslie West. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Ryder. Uh, Badfinger was in it, although Badfinger was mostly dead then. <laughs> but Danny Lane uh, was took over as, as lead singer and Danny Lane used to sing for the Moody Blues, the first album of Moody oh, yeah. Blues. And then later on, he became uh, part of Wings, like Paul McCartney's band. Okay. And uh, so that was the lineup for this concert. Uh, and uh, but the zombies were pretty original. They had uh, Colin Blundstone as a vocalist and Rod Argent as the as the keyboard player and uh, and so those are the guys that, that wrote the songs and, and sang and did the music back in the 60s so i i was very excited to have the hippie experience yeah and since i missed out in the late 60s <laughs> you know, i was only eight or nine at the time when the real hippies yeah uh, existed uh, so uh, i was all excited to go to toronto we grabbed a couple beers for like uh, they're 18 bucks for two beer yeah and, uh, that was it <laughs> but the, most of the bands were pretty decent like the rascals were good the mountain and the turtles but the zombies stole the show okay but, i mean they were they were very good and they uh i think they played most of the songs on on this quarantine album yeah um You know, I knew I knew their hit songs like "Time of the Season" and "She's Not There." Actually, I knew "She's Not There" used to be a top forty Santana song. Oh in yeah, seventies. 
Okay. But uh, I didn't know it was originally a zombie song. But um, but they played She's She's Not There and it was just excellent. Mm-hmm. I um, did not know that the zombies really were only in existence for just a few years, right? They only made two albums. Yeah, they were only uh, around for a bit. Yeah. And then uh, Rod Argent, uh, he formed a band called Argent in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And they had a hit, uh, Hold Your Head Up. Yeah, which is on the album, right? It's on the album, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In fact, from what I understand, there's a few of Argent's songs on, on this album, too. It's kind of almost uh, greatest hits of both bands, really. Yeah, like they play most of the songs. Uh, like they have an album, uh, Odyssey and Oracle. Yep. And that's kind of their most acclaimed album. And uh, they play most of that, those those songs on, on this album. Yeah. Uh, that, that album, in fact, Clifton, I keep score a little bit, although we don't actually have a score, but uh, that one is on Rolling Stone's top 500 of all time. Uh, Odyssey and Oracle. Yeah, likely. Mm-hmm. It's up there with Sergeant Peppers, I imagine. Uh, it ranked number 100. So it's, well, it's in the top 100, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Now I have to tell a story here. I just, just I, I don't know much about the zombies here, but this, this I find amusing. So apparently the band let the uh, let the name expire their copyright, and so there was actually this was I don't know when, probably in this oh in the late sixties, um, two bands capitalized on their success and falsely toured under the band's name. So there was two fake zombie lineups that were touring. Oh, in nineteen sixty nine. One was from Texas, one from Michigan, and the Texas group, believe it or not, had Dusty Hill and Frank Beard, both from ZZ Top, playing in a zombies uh, fake band. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but they found a guitar player whose name was Ronald Hugh Grundy and claimed that the original drummer, Hugh Grundy, had just switched instruments. You could only get away with that before the internet, I think. You couldn't get away with that now, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good story. I guess, you know, since we're speaking of live concert, concerts and, and two of my albums are, are live, I should tell you guys a story about uh, my uh, years, the three years I went to University of Calgary. Okay. I had uh, front row center seats for every concert that toured through Calgary. And uh, I had a good friend in my engineering class, and he was slightly older, older than me, and uh, he was an avid concert goer, and uh, and he, he he had seen most of the huge acts in the '70s, like he saw Led Zeppelin and the Kinks and and the Who and, and all that. And he said the best place to listen to a concert was front row center. Oh yeah. You know, since the main speakers were kind of far to the left and the right and above you and, and so they're mostly mostly blasting the crowd behind you and uh in the front you know you know you're only 20 30 feet from the musicians you mostly hear heard the uh, stage monitors so the sound was really good up front there right mm-hmm. so uh, initially we go to a certain door in the bay downtown calgary very early in the morning and wait for the door to open and then when the door opened, we would run, you know, along with everyone else, knowing about the door as fast as politely and frantically possible 
up the ele elevators to the fifth floor and then hopefully you'd be in first line for the tickets mm -hmm. so then we would buy you know your minimum of eight tickets and then we'd scalp the rest outside the stadium before the concert <laughs> so we did, did that for about two or three concerts by running five stories in a mad scrabble in the bay yeah uh, then we discovered a new method to, to guarantee front row centers every time. So uh, concert sales for the for a new concert normally t takes place around like 9.30 on a Saturday morning. And, and uh, so on Friday night, I would call the box office after hours and you get an answering machine. And I'd say something like, uh, or you know, the answering machine would say, Robert Plant tickets go on sale at 9.30 a.m. Please call back. So then you just leave the phone off the hook and set your alarm for 9.28. <laughs> and then you, you, you'd be startled by an alarm and then remember where you were and pick up the phone. And a few minutes later, the operator asks, how many tickets would you like? Really? So then being the first caller, I always asked for eight eight front rows tickets my friend would do the same so every time concert came we'd buy eight tickets and we'd scalp <laughs> the rest and go to the concert for free basically and plus you have a whole bunch of spending money wow so over the years we got to see up close and personal we saw eric clapton with mark knopfler uh, david bowie robert plant Ringo Starr and his all-star band, you know, with Joe Walsh and Dr. John, yeah. Bill Lofgren and Levon Helm and Rick Danko. And we saw Hart and Boston, Rush, ZZ Top, Cheap Trick, Moody Blues, Jethro Tull, Midnight Oil. Oh, wow. Richard Thompson, Jeff Healy. David Wilcox, Joan Jett. Yeah, so. That's a pretty old system. We were like right front, you know, just right beside the, the, the artists. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked that that system worked. <laughs> I didn't think that they'd, the phone it, would just it, cut out. Eventually they discovered the floggers. Eventually they, they discovered it and then they cut us off. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> we couldn't do it anymore, but it, it lasted a couple of years. As George Harrison said, all good things must come to an end, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was my uh, concert uh, story from back in Calgary. Okay, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like those get around the system kind of kind of. Yeah. Things. So now you said you saw the zombie. This was it. This was the one in, uh, in Toronto, right? Outdoors? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Did you guys listen to that album at all? I listened to this one. This one I didn't get all the way through. I couldn't. I didn't get a chance to listen to it all, but I kind of picked out the songs that I knew and tried to listen to them. So. <laughs>
I guess we could go on to the fourth album. Uh, okay. Ray Davies, Americana. Mm-hmm. And this is a newer album, right? 2017? Yeah, 2017, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think my top three musical performers that would you know, in general, would be Paul McCartney, Jeff Lynne, and Ray Davies. Okay. And the Kinks are one of my favorite bands. You know, I, I first discovered the Kinks uh, during their arena rock era in the late 70s. You know, they had albums low budget, and mm-hmm. give the people what they want. And they had a single uh, called Destroyer. Mm-hmm. So right, you know, along that time, that, time I really liked that uh, uh, that band and eventually I got uh, uh, a bunch of their other albums and uh, you know they were part of the you know British invasion you know they had songs like you really got me and all day of the, and all the night sunny afternoon Lola and water waterloo sunset mm-hmm. so you know I love the kinks and uh, Ray Davies, I followed him right to the, uh, he's released, I think, five sol- solo albums in the 2000s. And uh, this latest, uh, Americana, was released in 2017. And uh, I don't know, the album kind of recalls when Ray and his brother Dave were growing up in England. And they would watch, you know, the silver screen and the old Westerns from America. And they dream of, you know, touring and coming to America. And the, and the Kinks' success made it so that, you know, they had a chance to come to America. Mm-hmm. Originally, they, they weren't allowed to come to America, right? Like I read, uh, they were banned yeah, they, in the States between 65 and 69. They, uh, I think they came over here to be on Dick Clark, maybe 65 or something. Okay. And uh, someone uh, told them uh, they had a bit of a fight and uh, a punch was thrown. (laughs) And uh, so then the musicians union, I guess, banned them from touring for for four years. Yeah. So they missed out on a bit of the the British invasion. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. You know when the Beatles and the and the, and the Stones and the Who yeah. came over, the, the Kings weren't allowed to tour in America. So uh, you know one of the songs on uh, on the album, the Inf- the Invaders, is called, kind of references when the Kings, you know, came to America and how the custom officers, you know, perceived them as punks and how the world would never be the same after the British invasion. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the songs on the album you know discuss life on the road you know like touring across america trying to maintain relationships back home in england it certainly got i did listen to this one i listened to it in its entirety i don't know if clifton got a chance to but it definitely like the name of it is americana and it certainly would fit into that americana uh genre uh The backing band, his, his, the band for this is the Jayhawks. So, uh, you know, they have that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a nice little uh, American album. <laughs>
buffalo roam in that great panorama. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I did I I did have a listen and um I'm with Bade. I'm I'm a fan of Ray Davies and and what he did with the Kinks and him and his brother and um, I've never heard this this particular album, um, and I was glad that uh, it was part of the list. And having a listen to it, um, yeah, Jayhawks. Uh, that's that's some Americana sounding music right there, and they did a great job for him on this particular album. I enjoyed. Yeah, it. there's it a couple good. songs. Uh, silent movie, just kind of a talking intro to rock and roll cowboys, and. Uh, this kind of recalls a time when Ray was living in, in New Orleans and his neighbor was Alex Chilton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's of the, in the band Big Star. Mm-hmm. We were just talking I, about them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that band, but uh, yeah. Ray and, and Alex mm-hmm. used to get together all the time in their living rooms in, in New Orleans. And uh, actually, they, that's when they recorded that. Or, that's how that song rock and roll cowboys is about you know kind of like equating aging rock stars with gunslingers about to hang up their holsters oh yeah yeah there's uh there's a follow-up album as well called our country americana act two yeah uh, i i didn't Mm -hmm. get a chance to, to to check out but uh it's almost like a double album really it was all recorded at the same time it sounds like well right around that time well well, actually Alex Chilton died I think in 2010 Uh, I think it was 2010 got a heart heart attack or something Mm -hmm. but Ray Ray Davies still living in New Orleans and uh, he was out walking with his girlfriend and I guess some guy drove by in a car and got out and grabbed his girlfriend's purse and so Ray Davies started chasing him. The guy turned around and shot Ray Davies in the in the leg. Yeah. And broke his femur, I guess. So uh, I think one of the songs on this album is uh, about his time in the hospital. Like he spent about 24 hours in there. No one even knew who he was. So it was just yeah. like uh, John Doe for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah his his solo albums are all very strong like they're all from the 2000s and i could have chosen any of them to, okay. to be on this uh, and his and his month. brother's not brother's not playing on this so there was no fighting no there was no fighting <laughs> they're still talk, talking about getting together again <laughs> oh yeah his brother's got some really nice albums too and there's a really nice uh, album of his brothers, uh, a live one also. It's very kick-ass. Hmm. So uh, they're they're certainly known for their they're they're one of the the long list of fighting brothers in music. <laughs> yeah, they're they're one of the first uh, kind of like Oasis or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so you got one left here, uh, the Magic Gang Death of the Party, and this is brand, brand new, just August 2020. Yeah. 
Well, you know, a lot of times when I go to bed at night and I, I put my bed into a special position, I've got like a remote from my bed and I can sit up and uh, so I, I grab my iPad and I put my headphones on and turn out the lights and I kind of just listen to tidal music or whatever. Uh, yeah. And kind of you know, explore wherever the music takes you. And uh, I discovered these guys like, uh, I seem to like bands from England a lot. Okay. Like even starting back from the, you know, discovering the Beatles. I think when I, uh, I think I heard Maxwell's Silver Hammer uh, when I was like 14. And it really appealed to me, you know, a young teenager, you know, hearing a happy song about a guy going around murdering people with hammers. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty funny. But eventually, you know, I, I liked a lot of the English groups, you know, the Kinks, Moody Blues, ELO, Jethro Tull, you know, Roxy Music. But then in the late 70s, you know, I, I eventually discovered XTC and Squeeze. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and my cousin Al Stitt introduced me to The Clash. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I seem to like English bands a lot. Somehow I heard these guys and they sounded just like the Kinks to me at certain times. You know, uh, the way their, uh, their ly lyrics were and, and their accents too, I guess. Right. I, I heard some Chicago as well because I, I didn't sound like there was horns in the, like there's no horn player in the band, but I heard horns on the first couple songs. Yeah, it's a, it's a very strong album. I think like there, there's about seven or, or eight songs in a row. I think they're all strong songs. Like, okay. um, there's a song, "Death of the Party." You know, it shows how things could go wrong at parties. <laughs> how you know one person could end up being the death of the party, basically. Yeah. Got my invitation in the post last week. Time for me to work on my party and take. Disco ball spinning out from everywhere So let's decorate our bodies Let's dye our hair If we put our hands together We can be as one Just staying out of trouble We can have some fun Everyone is ready with their costumes on But soon as I'm arriving It's already done Cause I'm the death of and now this is only their second album so these guys are young they're just really just getting going here right mm -hmm. formed oh, yeah. in 2015 it looks like yeah they're so new they don't even have a wikipedia page right clifton yeah no i've never heard of this band before and couldn't find any info as to any background that you know we can yeah. relate to or anything so well, i just discovered yeah. the album and there's good guitar work on it too like uh, you know i like songs that have a bit of guitar in them and, and room for a little bit of solo mm -hmm. here and there yeah yeah no it was uh, uh do you know where out of uh out of england they are being 
Oh, I can't remember. I saw that somewhere. Was it Manchester or something? Or... Okay. okay. Brighton, I, I read. Yeah. They are, they're, they're hoping to tour, or maybe that was last, uh, maybe that was in the fall. I don't know. They are, they've got a tour schedule for the UK. So we'll see. Bit of a bit of a smaller read. They, they were interesting. Mm -hmm. I had a, I listened to them once, and then I had a, a chance to listen to a couple more songs just this afternoon, just to refresh my memory. And uh, they were nice and up tempo, and uh, thought it was good. I'll have to give another another shot. Yep, says they take Weezer okay. as a major influence to their their music. Okay, Clifton. All right, Bing. So here we are. You've got your set of five albums. We're about to drop you off at your quarantine island, and uh, you're going to give these five albums a spin. What do you start with? Uh, how do you go through this five, and what do you end off well, with? Well, I don't know. I, I suppose I would do it in, in order that we presented them today. Like, I mean, end, end with a new and I suppose if you wanted to go oldest, you probably might want to go zombies first, and then uh, Chicago, mm -hmm. and then ELO. And... But usually ending up uh, with uh, Ray Davies near the end, and uh, and and the new band right at the very end. Okay. Yeah, that's how I would nice. them do. Sounds good. Okay, so now uh, we've come to the the podcast, the part of the podcast here now. Uh, Again, Clifton, I keep forgetting people to keep forgetting to ask people ahead of time. So we're we're kind of wigging it again. <laughs> you, you're letting people what, off the hook. Keep forgetting. So so Bane, I don't think we warned you. Do you have a most embarrassing album pick? The one that you can't believe you spent twelve bucks on as a kid or as a young man, and you're like, man, why do I still have this on my shelf? I need to toss it. Well, I don't know if it's that embarrassing, but I mean, <laughs> it would be a time to mention it to anyone. You know, it would be, uh, you know, when disco came in the 70s. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Saturday Night Fever was very popular. Oh, yeah. And I did like the, the Bee Gees. Yeah. And uh, so I actually did buy, you know, the Saturday Night Fever album. And... Uh, it, there was good stuff on there, and then eventually, uh, this disco fell out of favor, and everyone started, you know, burning their disco albums. And, yeah, and it was uncool <laughs> to. So that even you know mm -hmm. during that I, uh, I, I bought uh, the Bee Gees' next album. I think Spirits Having Flown, I believe, was called. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, so that would probably be, you know, the one I don't want to tell people about. <laughs> you know, the, the, I saw the Bee Gees, there was a concert. It was quite a bit older because I know two of them are gone now. Uh, it was on, like, it was on PBS, one of those things where they're, you know, asking for money uh, kind of thing. But I watched a little bit of it and it was impressive. They were, they were good. Like, you know, I, I agree. You're kind of embarrassed by the Bee Gees, hmm. but uh they're really good. There is a yeah. really good documentary on one of those channels. I can't remember what it's Crave or something. But uh, there's a new uh, mm -hmm. 
documentary out there and it's, it's very entertaining yeah i think i think in retrospect if you if, if yeah. saturday night fever is the only disco album you've owned eh, you're probably okay right <laughs> yeah there's a lot of good strong stuff on there i mean yeah I but then disco got so ridiculous and uh, everyone was on the bandwagon and yeah. eventually uh, it uh, it got turned against you know yeah that was the end of that yeah that was the end of that yeah mm -hmm. okay that's great um so any any new music that isn't on like you, we, we uh, you've given us the magic gang uh, any other new stuff that you're doing? It doesn't necessarily have to be recently released. Something that you may have discovered recently. Well, I, I really like the band Spoon. Okay. I'm not sure if you heard of those guys, but so. they've got like a number of albums and they're really good. They're from America somewhere, but uh, yeah. um, I don't know. That's all I can think of right now. <laughs> well, that's fine. Sure. It is Clifton, like Clifton says. We us older guys, we kind of tend to stick with what uh, we're used to, which is kind of one one reason why Clifton and I started this was to kind of broaden our horizons a little bit, and uh, that certainly happened in my case. I've certainly found some new stuff, and I know Clifton has too. Mm -hmm. well, I I really like um, I like I enjoy listening to the to the stories attached to the music, and so listening to. You know the concerts, how you how you got the uh, the tickets, and uh, man, you've seen a list of great artists there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff I enjoy, and really, yeah, I agree. Kudos for that. Yeah, you've got uh, you've got a nice uh, nice I've seen list, that's for sure. I, yeah, I, I used mm -hmm. to uh, go to a lot of concerts, and nowadays um, they don't even exist. Yeah, like we had we had tickets for. Um, Harry Styles in, in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. Uh, August uh, 2020. So, but then of course, COVID hit. Yeah. So we had to uh, get our money back for those tickets and negotiate with WestJet to uh, yeah give uh, give our money back or not get a credit. We still have credit. to book something by the end of March, I think. But uh, who knows where to go nowadays? Yeah, right. I, I've actually heard in Australia, they've got a demand for people getting into a plane and just flying around Australia sightseeing and landing back where you uh, took off just to kind of go see the sights of Australia. <laughs> I don't know about Canada, my, Western my daughter, Canada. Rowan wanted, my daughter Rowan wanted to see <clears throat> Harry Styles. So yeah. we ended up getting tickets and we thought, well, that'd be a good holiday. And, uh, for sure. Jump in a plane and take in a stream streaming con <laughs> concert. That seems a little. <laughs> Everyone went whole screen. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been been great, Bane. We're glad that we finally connected here and uh, and had a chance to listen to these. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm going to check out some more ELO and uh, maybe in the mood strikes some more uh, Ray Davies. I might check out that second uh, Ray Davies Americana one as well. The second one isn't quite as good as his earlier. Okay. You listen to the ones in, in the 2000s, like, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of them, but uh, there's some really good albums that he, his solo albums are all worth listening to. Okay. Yeah. 
just when I was doing the research, um, I don't know how I ended up missing this, but it was released in 2018 and it was, um, it's Johnny Cash's um, oh, yeah. written words. And there's numerous assorted artists that put music to those words. Oh. And uh, I noticed that the Jayhawks uh, contributed a song to that album. And it's called Johnny Cash, The Music Forever Words. And I think uh, after, uh, there's a Chris Cornell also um, features on that album uh, mm -hmm. posthumously. Yep. Is that how you say that? It was after he's died. Yeah. So um, he's already, he's, he's, he died before 2018. Um, Is that how long that is already? Uh, it doesn't even seem like that's so. Or maybe before. Maybe it was recorded before. And then but anyways. Yeah. So yeah. That was kind of neat. Clip that he died. Yeah. Okay. So it is. Yeah. This was released in 2018. And I just kind of picked that up just from doing the research on the Americana album by Ray Davies because the Jayhawks mm -hmm. were his backing band. And then noticed that they had done something for this um uh, these words that Johnny Cash had had and sort of art, assorted artists put uh, put music to it. So I got to check that out. All righty. Well, this has been a nice little adventure, Bane. And uh, I certainly enjoyed the, <laughs> I love that story about how you got tickets. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that that worked more than once or twice, but good for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's a good, I paid a lot of expenses going to university. Yeah. You know, if you make, you'd sell tickets for like you know they might originally go for like 150 or whatever but you could easily sell you know tickets for 250 you know that are that that good right you say front row center yeah, right and now nowadays i just hate guys that do that yeah <laughs> i was gonna say once the watson gets going again you should try it there you have to be a little careful about who you sell the tickets to because they're actually yeah, sitting right. right beside you. Yeah, that's true, right? Yeah. yeah you're selling people. Yeah. Yeah. You're selling you're tickets to the people are going to be sitting beside you. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. So we try to, <laughs> you know, sell to beautiful women and all that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, good strategy. I think there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been, that's been good, Dave. Thanks very much for joining us. Yep. Thank you. Uh, thanks guys. <laughs>